0: Welcome to Trucker's Voices Podcast. Our guest this week, Herschel Evans. He talks to us about how he got into trucking and his passion for helping out the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. Y'all sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I hope everybody's doing good tonight. I hope that your day was the best day you've had yet. I hope you had a good day of trucking, and I know that every one of you out there kept America moving forward. Whatever you did, whatever you hauled, whatever it was, hey, remember, it was important to somebody because they hired you to haul it there, to get it there, and it was important to them, so it was important to you. Thank you every day for what you do out there. We got a good show lined up for you tonight. Uh, We got a gentleman by the name of Mr. Herschel Evans. A lot of you on here know him. Uh, Some of you might not know him, but after tonight, uh, you're going to get to know Mr. Herschel Evans a little bit better. But before that, I'm going to bring my co-host in here, Mr. Steve Brand, in here.
1: Well, good evening, Tim. How's everybody doing?
0: Steve, I'm doing good tonight, man. You have a good day of trucking today?
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm coming to you live from the motel room at the Hampton Inn in Ringo, Georgia.
0: Ringo, Georgia.
1: I am am on my way southbound.
0: Somehow I know where Ringo, Georgia is, and if you're at the Hampton Inn, you're on Battle Park. Battlefield Parkway, right there. Uh, not not too far from Chickamauga. However, you say that name over there.
1: Yeah, exactly. But um uh, well, went next door, got me some supper. Hmm. Did you get my videos?
0: I did. I did. Looks like you was having a good time over there, man.
1: Man, they had a live band. Nothing like a uh, little music with your uh supper. Good supper, man. Oh man. Oh man.
0: Well, I. I will tell you, Steve, I can tell you not in the home studio there because I know you got you at uh, a condenser mic at home on your computer. You sound a little different, not, but we can hear you good. Uh, See, so you got the football game going in the background, but it uh, looks like the Hokies are playing. <laughs> Hokies in West Virginia. I got you. I got you. So anyway, if you're viewing us tonight, we appreciate you viewing us tonight. But uh, um, you got anything you want to say to the uh, listening audience out there tonight?
1: uh just got a message that i'm a little faint need to move the mic a little closer maybe that will work out a little better i don't know we'll see what happens yeah i haven't, quite, a little, I haven't quite got this traveling studio down yet
0: you, you but, you're, uh, a little, you're a little faint probably because of the blue parrot there you know so but might be. it's okay uh we're gonna work through it and uh we're gonna have a good show tonight herschel's got a lot of information to bring us bring to us we're going to find out a little bit about herschel's life how he got into trucking where he was where he's at now and then we want to talk a little bit about his passion there the uh, pediatric brain tumor foundation it never stops with him he's always doing something for the uh, pediatric brain tumor foundation and he just come off of a uh Something that he did this past weekend. I'm not going to tell y'all what it is until we get into it. But uh, without further ado, everybody, uh, let's bring Mister Herschel Evans in here. All right, Herschel. As you can tell, since the last time you was on the show, we have come a long way as far as technology goes.
2: I have for the upgraded phones. I had a phone, a four year old phone. I finally moved up and got one a little newer and now they've already come out with a new one again. So.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, you showed me something on a uh, iPhone uh, a while back and uh, man, I tell you what, uh, it made me go get a new one. So anyway, I'm not going to tell you ideas cause that's our little secret. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, I'm glad you uh, took out time from your day to uh, come talk to us tonight about your life and how you got into the trucking industry. And uh, most importantly, um, you know, the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, uh, because, you know, it just seems like it rolls around, rolls around, rolls around. And we, we keep doing what we're doing because we have a passion for it. And I know you have a passion for it also.
2: I do. It's been a been a part of my life for about thirty five years now, uh, yeah. just about the same length of time I've been a professional driver. I've been involved with the uh, with the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation,
0: okay. so
2: they 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 really go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, yeah, they do, and they and you compliment. Actually, I'm I mean, I'm not trying to put any feathers in you know my quiver here, but um, you really compliment what you do very well, and I I appreciate it, and I'm glad to be hitched to your wagon there.
2: I tell people my only, my only talent is not being bashful and I'm blessed with a multitude of fantastic friends that uh, are always willing to answer the call when I you know, ask them to get involved or be part of it and uh, getting the trucking industry involved in raising funds for the PBTF was absolutely one of the best things we ever did because it made, it made the fundraising efforts go just off the chart.
0: Right, right. Well, Herschel, before we actually get dig deep into that, um, as we always do with every one of our guests, um, we want to find out more about you and um, your story on how you got into trucking. But first of all, you know, just tell us who you are, where you reside at and anything else you want to add to that.
2: Well, right now we live out in a little town called Bremen, Georgia, which is about an hour west of Atlanta. We're about uh, about 10 miles inside the Alabama line in Georgia on the west side of Atlanta. So uh, that's where we've been for uh, quite a while. But uh, my wife and I were both uh, born and raised in downtown Atlanta. We both went to uh, City of Atlanta public schools and just, you know, right there in the heart of, of downtown. And, uh, you know, we. When we decided to move out here, just just a real happenstance that uh, my wife and her dad decided to buy property out here in this county, in Harrelson County, and that's where my family's from. So uh, when her and I bumped into one another and, uh, back in 1988, after a couple of years after high school and uh, started dating, That's uh, I found out that's where they had moved to. And that just, you know, it was like it was meant to be. because. You know that's where my family's from that's where a lot of my uh family had moved back to when we moved when they decided to you know retire and move out of atlanta they all moved west to move back out to the west side of town so it's just all fit together like you know almost like god had a plan for it
0: yeah yeah absolutely you know you we when we're going through something we, we can't understand why we're doing something for whatever reason or other. But when we turn around and look back on where he brought us from to where we're at now, he's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know? And yeah, God does have a plan for us and we just don't understand it sometimes when we're walking in that plan. Yep. You know, I so agree completely. we, we can look back on our life and we can see where he's brought us through situations. Um, just going back a little bit on what you just said, when you met uh, your wife Holly, um, you told me a story. What was you driving whenever you actually first laid eyes on Holly? Uh, when I was driving. Yeah.
2: You mean uh, when we yeah. uh, ran into one another after school? Yeah. I was riding my motorcycle.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm yep. getting at. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I was. So, uh, it was on. Uh, it was on Cinco de Mayo. The uh, you know, the fifth of May, and uh, one of the big rock radio stations in Atlanta, 96 Rock. Uh, you guys probably never heard of them, but they were when I was in high school one of the biggest rock and roll stations in the in the southeast, probably in the eastern United States. But uh, they were having a Cinco de Mayo party, and it was going on at a, uh, a Mexican restaurant called U.S. Bar and Grill, and I was heading to smyrna on my motorcycle to go hang out with a bunch of you know the, the roughnecks i hung out with back in the 80s and i always had a radio playing on my motorcycle and i heard them heard that they were doing a live remote so i decided just to ride by and ride through the parking lot and you know see what was going on and uh of course i wasn't uh legal drinking age yet so didn't do any good to, to go in the bar so I rode through the parking lot and uh, rode down through uh, the Winn Dixie uh, shopping center, which is right next door where I used to work in the Winn Dixie store uh, as a uh, butcher, right out of my first job right out of high school. And Holly just happened to be walking out of the door of the uh, grocery store. And she and I stood there and started talking and kind of reminiscing and, you know, hey, how you been? How, you know, what you been up to and that kind of thing. And, uh, before you know it we'd made a date for uh two nights later on may seventh and went on our first date and uh ain't never ain't never uh, been on a date with another woman since
0: hey hey i <laughs> tell <lady>. you what <laughs> when she she got you got sitting
2: beside me laughing like crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well when Holly got you buddy she got it all
2: yeah she won a lot told her she won a lottery she didn't believe me <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh holly i'm so sorry holly do you hear me i'm so sorry <sighs> <buddy. laughs> well that, that that's a good story i remember you telling me that one time how y'all met and uh i could tell you a story sometime i'll save it for later how my wife and i met and uh it's it, it's similar because you know what back in the 80s we we didn't have nothing else to do except ride around i mean that was it I'm, I'm from a little small town down here in south georgia i grew up in adele georgia and man i tell you i can't tell you how many times i circled the dairy queen around Adel just just oh, riding man. just riding and looking at people you know so oh, yeah, it, we
2: had hey. one in uh up in smyrna we called it the miracle mile
0: the miracle it mile
2: miracle, it was a miracle theater it was back it was our version of the dollar theater back then they had uh, two theaters inside the building a little small theater and on the other end of the parking lot was a dairy queen so we'd drive from the Dairy Queen, we'd loop around it, go over to the to the to the Miracle uh, theater and back to the Dairy Queen. And we called it the Miracle Mile. And it was that was actually where I was heading that night was to go up and just we just went up there and rode around the parking lot. Yeah. You know, there wasn't no games to play on cell phones and you no. know there was there was arcades and stuff, but right. The the kids that played in the arcades were you know, they weren't the same ones that were old enough to drive cars normally. So yeah, that's that's all we did. We We drove. We couldn't wait to get our driver's license. You know, we were uh, the the day I turned 15, I got my learner's permit. The day I turned 16, I got my driver's license. And it just, you know, to us back then, it was a big deal.
0: It was a big deal. Yeah. So yeah. So you've been driving. You've been driving ever since. So you probably got hands like I do. See how my hands look? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so let me back out of here just for a second and I'm gonna let Steve get in there. Steve, uh go ahead if you got any questions. I don't wanna hog it all up now because you, you I do pay you well.
1: Yeah, you do. You you do pay me well. I, I appreciate that. Uh, give me good advice, I know that. Herschel, I just gotta know, was you sporting a mullet back then? Did you have the mullet? A little
2: bit. <laughs> Steve asked if I have a mullet. <laughs> We didn't call it a mullet back then. Right. We just called it beautiful, long, flowing hair. (laughs) (laughs) But I did. I had a, uh, when uh, the first time I went and met Holly's dad, uh, I probably had, what, an eight, nine inch ponytail hanging out of the back of my motorcycle helmet oh and man i always had to tie it up with hair brace because if i didn't it would get tangled up in the wind and it'd take me three hours to comb it out so yeah I had a.
1: <laughs>
2: there are some pictures floating around that i will never show to anybody that uh do have well, me with a quite a quite a head of hair that,
1: oh, that is so. that is awesome I, I love that i love that we we had the uh we had the roundabout or circle whatever you want to call it over at flat river missouri and same thing i mean you just bumper to bumper and you know, uh, there's no way that would happen today at four or five dollars a gallon. No. You know, I mean, you could. That's back when you put two dollars in in the gas tank and ride forever. It seemed like, but uh no, that's that's awesome. That's that's I, awesome. I love hearing those stories.
0: I w- I would love to see a picture of that, uh, side by side of, of one of our good friends, but with the initials W.C.
2: Yeah, he, uh, he he probably got me beat.
0: He's probably got your beat on that. One. <laughs> the, I do uh, remember right, for that. The right,
2: don't for the right donation that picture can be made public.
0: <laughs> for the right donation. Huh? <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? You just you know me. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, anything we can get some money for the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, let's see some pictures of Herschel there, right? Yep. Exactly. exactly. Well, hey. Uh, so, so moving right along with the uh, interview here, Herschel. So tell us um, what year you started trucking and uh, actually how you uh, got into trucking. And I, w- I want to know a little bit. I, I kind of know your backstory a little bit, but I want to know a little bit, you know, what you was doing right before that.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. When I come out of high school, I worked as a, uh, I did a uh, a stint with a general truck leasing as a fuel and wash man. And that's you know pretty self-explanatory we we put fuel in them we drove them around the truck we washed them drove them around the building washed them parked them and uh that's where I learned how to you know I won't say drive a truck but operate a truck uh, my dad was a uh, heavy truck mechanic and I always thought I wanted to be a mechanic also so uh, I enjoyed tearing stuff apart when I was a kid and he'd help me put it back together and you know, I'd disassemble something else and he'd help me put it back together. Uh, you know, by the time I was probably 14, I was putting, you know, clutches in uh, one ton flatbed trucks. I mean, it was, you know, I, I just from an early age, I was, I enjoyed working on, you know, trucks and cars and just about anything I could take apart with tools. So just, you know, it seemed natural that I'd be a mechanic. So, uh, uh, when I went to uh rider as a mechanic working in the shop, I mainly did uh, tires wheel, uh, tires, brakes, uh, alignments and, uh, external engine components, you know, the on the outside of the engine starters, alternators, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, uh, AC work. I did, did some air conditioning type work and that kind of thing. But, uh, for some reason, the, uh, when I got in the shop, uh, back when I was, uh, well back up to when I was a general general truck leasing, it was real simple to get a commercial driver's license. It was nothing like what it is today. Mm-hmm. And it consisted of getting somebody in the shop that had a, uh, what back then we called in Georgia, we called a class five, get somebody to sign an affidavit saying that I knew how to operate a truck, take that down to the, uh, we didn't really call it the, the DMV back then. We did, it was just taken to the state patrol office. You took it to the state patrol office. You handed them the affidavit. Uh, I don't even remember if we had to take a written test. But you basically handed them the affidavit. And they hand you a class five license. So I had a class, what back then was called a two dash five, which two was a motorcycle and five covered everything else. So when I was in the shop working as a mechanic, I was one of the few uh, entry-level mechanics that had a license to drive a truck. So I got picked to deliver trucks to customers, go pick up trucks from customers. I'd go pick them up, bring them in the shop, work on them, take them back, deliver them back to them. This this is tractors and trailers. So, uh, that's how I got, you know, kind of bitten with the bug for, uh, for driving. And then we had a, uh, another division of rider which called uh i think back then it was called rider dedicated logistics they bought maybe 50 or 75 new trailers right. and i had to deliver all the traders to their location uh do an in-service on them check them out make sure everything was good on sure they were good to go and uh got to talking to the guy and he offered me a job uh driving on my two off days from the shop you know, I right. think I was off back then. It was like Tuesday and Wednesday.
0: And yeah. The
2: shop's open 24-7. So being one of the low guys, I, I ended up with two weekdays off. So uh, on the Tuesday and Wednesday when I was off, he hired me to drive. So I did that for a few months and, you know, realized, heck, it it actually pays better money to ride around in the cab of them yeah. and not get, not get covered in grease and oil and dirt. And uh, so when he offered me a full-time job, I took him up on it and started uh, driving full time for a rider. And since I worked in the shop and nobody really, you know, I was already a a rider employee, so nobody really, they didn't really give me a road test. It was just, you know, okay, well, now you're a driver and they put me in a truck and off I went. Right. And, uh, so I actually started driving. I was 20 years old before I turned 21. And, uh, I was going to Alabama and uh, tennessee and you know mostly staying in, in metro atlanta but sometimes i would you know get out of the state and a few weeks before my 21st birthday they realized i wasn't 21 years old
1: <laughs> and
2: they, i'd already been driving for you know six months probably and they uh there's one of them things where you know things were a lot different back then and they kind of just said okay well just don't say anything to anybody and uh you know i kept driving so i've been i've been i've been driving since i was you know about six months prior to my 21st birthday
0: wow wow and then left there
2: moved over, went to you know left there came to came to holland back in 94 so yeah and now we're yellow so been here been here the whole time since then
0: so 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 backing up a little bit tell us uh before your trucking industry, there, working on the side of the road in Atlanta, Georgia, changing tires. What kind of experience is that? Because I see people out there on all the time changing tires on the side of the road, and I know for me personally, I wouldn't want to be doing that. I mean, did, I mean, way back then, would, uh, go ahead.
2: I would not want to be doing it today. I did a lot of it back then. I had a, uh, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of times I changed tire on the side of the highway usually if I would change the tire on the side of the highway, it was a steer tire. If it was one of the trailer tires or drive tire, you know, that that driver would find a, they'd find a way to get to a Waffle House or, you know, a Cracker Barrel or. Right. They'd find somewhere to stop me until I got there with a service truck. But, uh, you know, if I was, if I was having to change one on the side of the road, it was normally a a front tire because they couldn't, they couldn't go anywhere. So uh, if they could drive it, you know, they would bring it to the shop. So, you know, the vast majority of them that we, Changed. We did them, you know, in the shop. But once in a while, we'd have to go out, and you know, we'd go find them. They'd make it to a truck stop somewhere and need, you know, a tire put on. And they'd call us up, and we'd go, we'd load up what we need the service truck and go change the tire.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, Um, Steve. I don't want. I'm gonna back out and let no, you go. No, you're,
1: you're. No, you're, you're fine. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying this. Uh
0: Very interesting.
1: I, I, yeah, it is. It's very interesting, and I I totally understand what he's saying about changing the tire on the side of the road. I get nervous if I got to pull over if I hear something go wrong. I mean, if you're too too far in between exits and you need to hit that shoulder, I I get scared to just pull over on the daggone shoulder today. You know, period.
0: Well, well, you know, I um I was. I was coming around 285 the other day, and uh, there was a fella trying to change his own tire out there. And, man, he was right there on the fog line. And I'm like, you know what? That's what the hero units are for. He should have been waiting on that hero unit to go in there and give him some cover, you know? Exactly. So, anyway, so, Herschel, um, getting back into your trucking career, what are some of the things that over your period of time being in the trucking industry that you've seen change
2: well, yes. Uh, obviously, you know cell phones. You know people using cell phones. Uh, I know the uh, the cell phone has become something that none of us can live without. There's a, uh, you know, uh, used to be when I first started driving, I had a uh, a bag full of maps. You know, map books. Every every time, every year when the new uh, when the new city of Atlanta map come out, we'd have, I'd have to go to Sam's and buy one. You Because know, I'd want that big map with all the show and all the you know streets and and all that and now all that's right there, tippy fingers on the phone.
0: Right. Uh,
2: I remember when uh, I remember when ABS uh, first came to trucks, that was probably one of the greatest inventions there ever was, you know for when analog braking systems got
0: put on trucks can i I slow you down right there so so for our listening audience that's not in the trucking industry and i know we do have some people out there that does not really understand how the abs system actually works can you kind of you know simply explain that to us
2: sure it has a uh, it has sensors on your wheel and the sensor actually watches the the tire turn and there is a a I guess a photo optic, you know, light that looks at, there's a, there's a gear cog. If you look on the, on the tire that has ABS, there's a, it's like, it looks like a small set of teeth. And what that optical uh, sensor is doing, it's looking at that, at that cock of teeth and it's going by. And as it's spinning, it is, it knows how fast the wheel's turning. And it knows that if the wheel slows down, if the rate of descent of the wheel is too great, it knows it's just about to lock up.
0: Uh-huh.
2: It's called an impending lockup. So when it gets to that point of impending lockup, it actually will let go of the pressure a little bit, push the push the pressure back into the valves to let the let the pressure off the brake pads to let the tire keep turning because the maximum braking for that wheel occurs at that point just prior to lockup. Once it locks up, you'll the car can actually speed up. Because once you, once a tire locks, the car will actually the the rate of deceleration will stop going down. It'll actually move up. So right. you want that you want that tire to be gripping the road at the maximum amount of grip without locking the tire up.
0: Right, which will so, prevent can right. help can help prevent uh, right. skidding. Would, not 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 necessarily a hundred percent, but it can help. No.
2: Yeah, but it, it'll, it'll, it'll help you if you're, if you're in a situation where you've already got, we used to, when we, when I was training uh, for a motorcycle ride, we call it the traction pie.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
2: only, there's only so much traction that tire's got. And if you eat up all that traction, that tire doing braking, you've got none of the traction left to do cornering with. So if you happen to already be in a turn, when that tire locks up, it'll take you out of the turn because it'll let you slide sideways. Because you've, you've ate up all your traction pie while you're braking. You've got none left for directional stability, so you can't stay in a straight line. That's how you That's how you slide sideways. Right. So that was, you know, we learned that doing uh, emergency braking on motorcycles. So course, that was all done back before ABS was, was a thing.
0: Yeah. So I'm asking a question I know the answer to already. But so for a truck driver, does that help prevent um, jackkniving? It can. But it's most, not absolutely, right?
2: Not absolutely. But most uh, most jackknife, we're going to go back to the Facts for Driver's book, but most <laughs> jackknife occurs when the, occurs most quickly when the tractor tires lock up, because right. that's where you've got the shortest access to turn on. So right. if the tractor tires lock up, that's where you get your quickest jackknife. It can be the trader jackknife where the trader locks, it slides all the way around sideways. But if the tractor tires don't lock up, then that can absolutely prevent jackknifing. Okay. So, yeah, I remember, I remember, you know, when driving trucks in the rain, especially bobtailing that didn't have ABS, it was a hair raising experience. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, you didn't get close to anybody because you didn't know, you know, if you're going to be able to stop or not. So you drove with a whole different mindset, in in a light rain and a bobtail.
0: Right. Well, let me, let me tell you what happened to me over in Ozark, Alabama. Um, Years ago, I was running up through there. I was probably running one of the last runs we had going over to uh, Montgomery, Alabama to meet. And I was headed uphill and it was raining and I had an empty on my back on my back trailer and um, light turned red and I had to get on it. And what I did not realize was when I got on the brakes, my back trailer started coming around and uh, scared me to death. So, um, I, I don't know what happened there, but it can, it can happen, you know? Yep. Absolutely. It can happen. So anyway, that was, uh,
2: that was one of the great inventions, you know, was ABS coming to trucks. Uh, yeah. You know,
0: what, what kind of, what kind of other, uh, safety devices, uh, have you seen come along throughout, you know, your career that's been real beneficial?
2: well airbags are another one you know airbags that's a that's a device you never want to use but uh you know if they're there and used in coordination with a seatbelt, got a huge potential for you know saving a life or preventing a serious injury uh yeah all these things weren't you know they weren't on trucks you know 35 years ago right i mean heck they weren't even on cars 35 years ago so you know uh
0: so, yeah, so Herschel, are... you, you you you've been in the trucking industry, um, back like when I started out, and I mean, I was running city. I ran city for about five and a half, almost six years, and no air condition, no air ride or anything. And I mean, we've come a long ways. I mean, the oh, trucking yeah. in, in trucking industry is really really improved their technology over the years for the, you know, the comfort and the safety of um, the driver and, and the motor and public around them.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. When I, the first truck I drove for Ryder, had a, it had an air seat in it, uh, it and air operated windshield wipers. Oh, lord! But, uh, there were no, there were no air ride, uh, you know, there were no air ride suspensions and there uh, that truck didn't even have an air ride cab. So now we've got trucks with, you know, the cabs, air ride, uh, the uh, air suspension, you know, ride that it may have been available back then, but not on the trucks that, you know, not on the uh, economy mm-hmm. trucks that we drove, didn't have those fancy features.
0: Right. Right. So
2: some of the nicer, more expensive trucks, they may have, they may have had it, but not uh, didn't, did, took it a while to make it into the freight mm-hmm. trucks.
0: Go ahead, Steve.
1: I was just going to comment on the air wipers. You know, they usually come from the top, and they'd come down, and then they'd hang right in the middle. And it's like, oh, no, you know, the hose or something got pinched or whatever. And, oh, I I tell you. You know, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Herschel, a lot of this stuff that that they're coming out with semis is going to the cars.
2: Correct? Absolutely.
1: Because I know, uh, like, my wife's Traverse, it has the crash mitigation. It has the adaptive cruise control. And, you know, they, they have access to turning that off, but she loves it. She absolutely loves it. I've got it on my semi-drive. I got it on the one I'm driving today. Yep. And I, I really enjoy it. Um, uh, you know, just don't overdrive it. That's the whole key.
2: I think the, uh, the uh, my wife's got a new Mustang, it's got the, uh, the adaptive cruise control on it and that's that's the only vehicle we personally own that has it uh, all of our new tractors are coming with it but i do believe that is one of the uh that's one of the systems on the new trucks that uh can beat the driver as far as knowing when the vehicle in front of you slows down just a you know a half a mile an hour that radar or laser whichever one is using to pick up that vehicle and uh, judge its speed that is you know that's something the driver can't can't beat right uh, i'm not a huge fan of the of the uh, lane departure systems i think those things can can be a little bit of an annoyance or you know they get to to me they get to draw my attention away you know i like i i, I pay attention to everything in front of me and what's way out in front of me and uh the lane departure systems kind of you know they you, you start trying to drive your truck in such a way that you don't want to hear that buzzer go off on that lane departure system. Right. And, you know, right. to me, that, right. that moves a little bit of your attention into another area. So I'm, I'm not saying I'm a, totally against it, but I'm not near as much a fan of it as I am the adaptive cruise control. And you guys know, you know, all, th- all three of us are, you know, America's Road team captains, and we drive the, you know, the, the top mm-hmm. of the line flagship trucks from, you know, Volvo and Mac. And, you know, all those have those systems on them. The uh, an adaptive cruise. That was my first experience with adaptive cruise. Was the road team trucks, and that was you know, that's just that is that's one of the coolest technologies out there. I think it's I think it's really really, it's up there really close to analog brakes as far as being a, a useful system.
0: Would you would you say the uh collision mitigation system is a hundred percent? Uh, if somebody was coming up on something and wasn't paying attention, well, it shut a truck down completely.
2: I think some of the new systems have that capability.
0: Yeah, uh,
2: I've never been given the opportunity to test one of them or see <laughs> a trouble. test done with one of them. I don't and want to. Don't I don't want to test one? I'm on my own, you know. But
0: yeah,
2: uh, you know they they do things. You know, uh, I think Bendix will take drivers out sometimes and show them how their system works and how good of a system it is. You know, with a they'll have a mock car in front of them and they'll drive the truck at full throttle toward the car and they'll right. watch the, the you know watch it take over and actually break the truck and stop it and uh that's something that has progressed through the years when they first come out they would apply about 30% brake, and that was more or less just to get the driver's attention and say hey there's something up here you need to be paying attention to right and now they've they've progressed and moved in I think now they'll they they will do 100% braking
0: right right okay so uh with that said herschel let's move on into let's take way into our next topic the reason we brought you on here we want to move into um what you just got through doing this past weekend with the uh, pediatric brain tumor foundation uh before we actually get into it i actually downloaded a quick little video uh i want to add this to the stream real quick like so okay, y'all hang on just a second
1: Help the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation fight the deadliest childhood cancer at a Ride for Kids. Your participation will help fund life saving research and family support programs. Give children with brain tumors
0: the future they deserve. Visit rideforkids.org. To- All right. So um, I kind of downloaded that, just kind of segue into it. I do have some slides, Herschel, uh, that I'm going to put back up here. And um, I'm going to let you speak to some of these pictures here. And you you just take your liberty to tell us all about the uh, Atlanta ride for kids. Okay. And what it's all about.
2: So the the little fellow there, that's uh, John. And the the guy on the right is his dad, John Sr. And the guy on the left is uh, Michael. He's one of our new ride managers with the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. Uh, Little John Jr. there is what we call a star which means right. on Ride for Kids Day, uh, we treat all these little kids like they're the star for the day. So they get to come to the ride. Uh, they'll get to ride a motorcycle, ride in a sidecar. You know, that's that's what we do with them. Uh, the, uh, the Ride for Kids started back in 1984. Uh, that slide there is myself and Tommy and Connie Smith, which Tommy and Connie Smith were some... Uh, they were our task force leaders in Atlanta and for several years and Tommy and Connie were some of our biggest fundraisers for several mm-hmm. years. And Tommy was one of my inspirations in wanting to do, uh, to do more and be more, uh, make more of an impact in, uh, the ride for kids. Tommy right. several years in a row, he, he raised, you know, 30, $35,000, you know, at a time. Right. And, uh, I always wondered how does how does a guy how does one person raise that much money and i figured out it's because he's got a whole lot of friends (laughs) so uh, that's how tommy did it and that's that's how we're doing it now as a a team right we're we're doing it because we've got a bunch of friends you know one one guy can't do that one guy can't have that kind of that kind of impact unless he's got the ability to write a check which you know i don't
0: most of us don't
2: yeah so you lean on your friends and make stuff happen
0: yeah, yeah. So so, so the pictures I'm showing you here was from this past weekend, yeah. correct?
2: That is from the 2022 Atlanta Ride for Kids. Uh, we're coming out of our, you know, two years of hiatus due to the COVID craziness. And uh, so we're trying to get our, our feet back under us and get everything back going again. The, uh, the Atlanta Ride for Kids started back in 1984. There was uh, a man that had a daughter with a brain tumor.
0: Hold on, just a minute. Like I got a slide of them. Oh, let me just scroll to it, okay? All right.
2: That is Mike and right. Diane Trainer, the one, the two people on the bike there. Back up, back up one.
0: Did I go I past
2: it? Yep, you went past it. Right there. That's Mike there and go. Diane Trainer. Uh, the fellow that had the child with the brain tumor was one of Mike's friends. Yeah. And he was a he was an avid motorcyclist, and as his fellow motorcyclist they decided to get together and raise money for his daughter and her treatment and everything she had going on so they got a bunch of people together at uh cycle nuts and bolts in clarkston georgia and they rode out to athens georgia just for a place to go eat lunch and they raised i i think it was you know five thousand dollars maybe yeah wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of motorcycles involved uh but they raised pretty good bit of money for that for that uh, girl who now is a grown woman. She still she's still with us. She's she survived a brain tumor and uh, she's doing well. And uh, every year after that, they just kept doing it again and again and again. And uh, I got involved in it in about 1987. And
0: so about 45 uh, years ago.
2: Yep. And uh, the. Uh, had a weatherman in atlanta named johnny beckman and he was he was a friend of mike trainers they were they were motorcycle buddies
0: and this is mike trainer on the screen
2: that's mike trainer on the screen right there that's him and diane they've both since passed okay and uh the uh but mike trainer was not was friends with johnny beckman johnny beckman was weatherman for one of the local tv stations in atlanta and uh he got on tv with his motorcycle and a couple of kids sitting on his bike and he said hey come out to the ride for kids you know and uh ride your bike and have a good time and i'd never been on an organized ride before so i thought it'd be kind of cool to go to a you know big organized motorcycle ride so me and a couple of buddies i rode with we rode up to uh back then it was perimeter mall yeah and I'm- uh we we went to perimeter mall and uh we rode all the way to Helen, Georgia, which was wow. probably over a two-hour ride at the at the slow speeds we were going.
0: Wow, that is a ways.
2: Yeah, it was it was a ride, and uh, so the next year when we uh, we came back, we said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna show up early, so we're not in the back of the line because the back of the line kind of gets the yo-yo effect." So we showed up kind of early mm-hmm. the next year, thinking we'd be the first people there. We showed up about two hours before the uh, the registration opened well lo and behold there was you know 50 people already in the parking lot and they threw us a t-shirt that said volunteer on it and uh we got told we were now volunteers and we were helping setting up tents and trash cans and uh you know handing out uh coffee and donuts just we just did whatever they asked us to do so man we had a ball and we came back the next year and did it again and it's just been every year since and i've uh kind of uh moved up through the volunteer ranks and uh when they started calling the organizers when they started calling it a task force i was one of the task force members and we've been i can't even tell you how far back that goes but that was you know way you know well over 20 years worth you know we've been uh members of the atlanta ride for kids task force
0: how how many bikes do you you say that you average on on the on the ride nowadays
2: Nowadays, we what the last time you counted bikes, how many 350? About 350. Holly counted the last time we did a full attendance ride. Uh, this year was kind of a, a different deal, but uh, years ago, back in our heyday, back in the uh, the late 80s, early 90s, uh, there were as many as 2200 motorcycles would show up for the Atlanta Ride for Kids.
0: That's crazy. We,
2: we were the uh, soccer world magazine. Uh, said that we were the largest one day motorcycle event east of the Rocky Mountains. So, wow. uh, and we would raise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got some old paperwork, some old, uh, from our old, uh, task force meetings, the books we keep, uh, where we raised over $300,000 in mm-hmm. one year at one ride. So, uh, Honda got involved with us in 1991 and they took it, uh, Nationwide, there was a time where the Ride for Kids had rides going on, and uh, there were 37 different Ride for Kids events going on all over the country. And each one of those Ride for Kids events had, you know, task force members, task force leaders, volunteers. We probably had over over 250 volunteers at the Atlanta ride at one time. So a huge team of people put this thing together, and uh, that man you see on a motorcycle right there, Mike Trainer. Uh he and I became pretty good friends. Uh he and I rode the same kind of motorcycle. Uh both of us rode a uh, a mid eighties yeah. V sixty five saber. Uh I've actually got tailpipes on my saber that I bought from Mike Trainer. And they're actually still on my bike today. Uh but uh The one thing that Mike uh, instilled in me a long time ago was at the Ride for Kids event, the one he did in Atlanta, Uh, he was a huge fan of getting sponsors to pay for everything we needed. Uh And he loved getting up there on stage and telling people that everything we have here at the uh, Ride for Kids event was uh, paid for by sponsors. So that every dime that a motorcyclist brought in went straight to uh, the work that the PBTF was doing. Right. And uh, I think that is one of the most fantastic parts of what we do, what you guys help me do at the Safety Drive for a Cure, because yeah. we get sponsors to pay for everything we do. And right that allows every dime that every driver donates goes directly to uh, fighting that, you know, like a guy said in that video, fighting the deadliest form of childhood cancer.
0: Right. Yep. Um, I'll tell you, it takes a a, a, a volunteer army to do some of these things. And there's a Uh, lot of people that are behind the scenes that you don't never realize how hard they're, working to make these things a success i mean yeah you see the front people out there like yourself myself and uh steve and but you know there's people like holly in the background that's working just as hard as anybody else out there and it wouldn't it wouldn't be a success without those kind of people people like carla rose you never see carla rose at the safety driver here because she's behind the scenes doing a lot of stuff that we don't realize you know
2: we keep her keep her head over in the trailer doing chores (laughs) so
0: So, uh steve go ahead and uh you ask a few questions i'm actually um i'm actually over here loading something else up real quick like uh, i forgot about but go ahead
1: now herschel uh you decided to bring that to the trucking family and kind of Give us a little insight, real quick, of, of how that come about. How you decided to bring it to the trucking family?
2: Well, I got in uh I got involved with the truck driving championships back in 2006. Uh, went to state for the first time in 2006. Uh, our company at the time Holland had never competed before uh, in Georgia. They had competed in uh, Michigan, where they're based out of. So uh, we got the first first time out we decided we'd go to you know we'd, we'd go to state we uh i was the only driving Georgia they put out for for state i only got it signed up nobody else knew anything about it uh rider had done some intercompany events you know some some inter just just with rider drivers you know kind of like a company Tdc kind of thing we had done so I, I knew a little bit about you know what might happen but didn't know didn't even know the state truck driving championship existed before 2006 never heard of it Right. And, uh, we got involved in that, uh, right after I got, uh, back from nationals, I've actually, I, I ended up winning my first year going to nationals in New Orleans. And about two months after I got back from New Orleans, I had a guy on I-20 that was heading home from a third shift job, fell asleep and ran inside of my trailer. So I knew right away from reading the rules, I knew I was knocked out going 07. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to go compete in 07 because this guy, you know, hit my truck. So Holly and I started looking around for a, uh, something else to do, you know, some other kind of competition. We just searched around the internet and we right. found this little thing they do up in Virginia called the Make-A-Wish Fun Drive that had been going on for a while. So we drove up in 2007. We drove up and did the Make-A-Wish Fun Drive. And uh, just, to, you know, we thought about it even, even back then. Her and I were talking about it, thinking, you know, if it, if we could get something like this going for the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation, to where it could raise money for for that, we said this would be awesome. You know, because what those guys were doing up there at the Make-a-Wish was was inspirational, in, in that they were you know raising you know tens of thousands of dollars for you know kids, and it was all truck drivers. I mean, what truck driver don't like kids?
1: that's right you know, exactly
2: i mean you know they ride by they want us to honk the horn they like the big old truck they you know y'all know from being at the road team events when you know kids want to get up in a truck they all you know all kids love trucks so you know it seemed like a natural uh kind of pairing to put them together and then you got there's a whole lot of uh truck drivers enjoy riding a motorcycle right you know we ride around something all day long that's you know 75 feet long and, Big and slow and cumbersome, and all that. So, you know, there's a lot of us enjoy, you know, parking that truck and getting on our little two wheelers and, you know, having something different to tool around on. So, there's a, there's kind of a natural relationship between truckers, bikers, and kids. Right. And it just seemed like the perfect marriage to try to put, you know, all of those together where the safety drive for a cure raises money for the pediatric brain tumor foundation, and all of our money goes to the, atlanta ride for kids which is the motorcyclist so right. working with the uh with the uh atlanta ride for kids uh one of the uh one of my responsibilities there was to uh match up what we call our little stars the little fellas you see in the little yellow shirts mm-hmm. we'd match up the stars with the riders that they're gonna be riding with for the day so Go back up back up one photo there, you'll see Tim Vote and Daryl Ellerby. Right there. Me and Tim Vote and Daryl Ellerby sitting there. Uh Tim Vote and Daryl Ellerby have both, they're both professional drivers. And when I was in charge of what we call our VIP line or VIP escorts, it's taking the kids and putting them on the bike with a rider that they're gonna ride with on the ride. And I knew if I could get professional truck drivers who rode motorcycles to get involved with this i would have no fear at all putting one of these kids on the back of a motorcycle with a professional driver right right so i can't tell you how many professional drivers that came to the ride for kids with their motorcycle and road kids daryl tim vote scott donaldson uh big lane hensley drove for us in atlanta i mean I, i could just name just dozens of them that over the years have came and uh being a VIP escort for us. And that was always, a you know, to me it just, it it gave me just a a real sense of security to know that when I put a kid on the back of the bike with this this guy, this guy's a professional driver. I got no fear at all that, that, that that kid's in any kind of danger. He's in the best hands he can be in. So that's just more of, you know, it being just a perfect marriage of, you know, different things being put together for one cause right and it's just man it's just turned out it's turned out bigger than i ever than i ever dreamed it would
0: right right well um we're actually um we're actually uh streaming on the uh, safety drive for a cure page so you know anybody wants to go on there and check us out i would encourage you on facebook to go to uh safety drive for a cure and you can see everything that we do every year especially in march for the um truck driving competition we have to raise money for the pediatric brain tumor foundation. Um, I I can say that the truck driving competition part of the uh, safety job for cure is great. But what's even greater is when we're finished and we're totaling up the amount of money that we raised, that just hits me every year because I know that it's a bunch of drivers that come together for one great cause and you, you leave there. You made friends, but you know that you made a difference in some family and some child's life just by the little bit of time that you put into it. Yep, absolutely. Yep.
2: And the one, the wonderful sponsors we have and the companies that are involved with us and the, the people that loan us equipment and, and give us food and give us drinks and, you know, give us everything we need, you know, could lets that driver know that whatever whatever that driver does, whatever effort that driver puts forth, to raise money and some of them do some of them do amazing some of them you know like you i mean you're one of our absolute you know top fundraisers i mean you're off the chart as far as you know how much money you raise and you know but every dime you know tim that you that you put into that every all the efforts you put into that every dime you raise goes 100 percent to the foundation we don't have to we don't have to skim any off the top or or abuse any of it or right you know take a percentage of it or anything it all every bit of it goes to the foundation
0: right yeah right and and you know you can have confidence in in that for sure because you know i've i've seen it and everything that we do you know it's all volunteer and it's really nothing as far as the money we raise for the pediatric brain tumor foundation goes to efforts to put this on it's absolutely 100 percent donation goes to the p to pbft you know yep
2: yeah they they uh they impressed me uh, several years ago when uh, you know with with Mike and Diane and how they how they operated and how they did things and how they you know they wanted to do things to help the families and the kids and there's research there's a there's a huge thing that goes on with the uh, Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. I think I'm probably not going to get the numbers exactly right, but somewhere in the in the sixty or seventy five million dollar range that they've raised over the years. For right. uh, they're the largest non governmental a sponsor of pediatric brain tumor research.
0: I'm just kind and of, all that, go ahead.
2: All that stuff they do, you know, uh, that, you know, like I said, I've been involved with them for 35 years. I know that I know the stuff they do and I know how passionate they are. I know the, you know, the people involved with the foundation here in Atlanta, Heather held, uh, is just one of the most amazing people you'll ever meet. Uh, right. but all the, all the folks I've met, uh, I've been at the, uh, the national convention they hold uh, I went there one time and met a bunch of people from all over the country and they just all got such a passion for doing this and and making it you know uh making it beneficial to the families they serve right and uh you know well it's 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 the work they do and the work that you know Heather works directly with families right and I couldn't do the job she does. Right. I, I couldn't do it. It would, it would, it would, you know, because inevitably there are families that their children, it, it doesn't have the outcome they want. And she oh. has seen that way too many times. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean.
0: Go ahead. I'm much,
2: be, I'm much better being a grunt behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, raising money because there ain't, there ain't no way I could do what she does as often and as often as she does it.
0: Right. 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 right well uh we're actually coming to the close of the show here we got two minutes left I, I, I want you to simply just tell us what somebody can do if if they can't drive a truck um, <coughs> or anything like that how, how can they get involved herschel uh or, or
2: ride a motorcycle yeah with the safety driver
0: yeah, with a safety drive, with the ride cure, up. you know, ride you, you know what you can what can they volunteer,
2: do? Volunteer. You can you can show up and volunteer. You can do the same thing we did when we first got involved. Show up that morning with a you know a, an open heart and a you know ready to pour out a little sweat and get involved, be a volunteer. You can be a you can be a fundraiser without being a participant. Right. If you're if you don't want to drive a truck, if you don't want to ride a motorcycle, that's fine. You don't have to you can still be a fundraiser get involved you can you know you can have full confidence getting involved something like this where your your money's going to a good cause it's going to to good people that are doing good work uh you know share it with your friends i mean the social media part of it is i mean that's how we've grown at the safety drivers you know practically all of our publicity that we do is through facebook so you know but share the share the links with friends share the emails right tell people what you're doing so hey i'm involved with this i'm gonna go you know help some kids that uh, suffer from rain tumors and do what i can sure. do to help them out and help their families out and you know all the money we raise is going to be used to uh help those families
0: right so right well can you believe it we've been up uh, here at it for an hour now and we gotta we gotta close the show out but Herschel, i do appreciate you come on and and sharing your story with us on how you become a trucker and more importantly um your passion behind you do what you do for um the pediatric brain tumor foundation um and we're definitely going to have you on again in the future i know that around march uh have you got a date set for the uh safety drive for care yet or are you still working on that
2: we're trying we've got we've got uh... We got, a, we got a couple more people to get approval from and, uh, but we're, we're really, really close Okay. Uh, in end of March 1st of April in that neighborhood. Uh, somewhere in the, in the ballpark of March 25th is, uh, what we're looking for.
0: Yeah,
2: I won't, I won't say it's nailed down yet, but that's, that's our, that's our target right now. So, uh, like you said, everything, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, but we do have a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and um, you know, it's just a, it's a uh, just a matter of getting everybody on the same page and make sure everybody's been informed and everybody's given approvals and and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's that that's that's what we're that's what we're trying to zero in on right now, and it should okay. be within the within the next week. We should have have it, you know, in stone.
0: Okay. All right. Well, Herschel, thank you again. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on. We got to close the show out now, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Steve say his goodbyes, and then I'll say my goodbyes, and we're going to close the show out, okay?
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate what y'all do.
1: Thank, thank you, Herschel. Appreciate it. God bless you. Bye, Miss Holly. Have a good time, and uh, don't see y'all in between. We're definitely looking forward to March. <laughs> I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son.
0: Kula, from Minnesota. She is with the Special Olympics Convoy. She gave us insights on how the convoy works and her passion for it. So y'all sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Truckers Voices Podcasts. Tonight, we spoke with Kathy Karkula from Minnesota. She is with the Special Olympics Convoy. She gave us insights on how the convoy works and her passion for it. So y'all sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.